0: G'day, folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to Talking Series. Uh, it is the coach here, as always, and I have a pretty special guest here. We are talking all things magical supremacy in the cities of Sigmar. It is Hello Heart, and uh, I'll be talking with Michael Clark. Michael Clark is a world renowned, well, at least Australia renowned, would be world well renowned when the ETC kind of kicks off. But Michael's done incredibly well with the Cities of Sigma. came seventh at CanCon with Hello Heart. He has dominated people at Summer Smash and, and SAGT, and he is a very good player. So I thought there was no better person to bring in and talk about the Cities of Sigma and Hello Heart. Michael, hello.
1: Hi, Coach. Thanks for inviting me onto the show, mate. <laughs> How do we go with the introduction? Uh, it, it, that was fine. It's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, thanks for pointing out a couple of my um, uh, better performances I've had out there. Uh, took a while to build up to that. My first couple of tournaments were a bit embarrassing in terms of the overall performance, but practice makes perfect. And the last few outings I've, I've done okay.
0: And I'm pretty sure the world would know your name by now. If the ATC would have happened, Australia would have dominated. Yourself, Liam, Bigwood, you guys would have crushed it. Um, but I'm really excited to talk to you about Cities of Sigma, specifically Hello Heart, because you and I talked a lot and we did a lot of list teching in preparation for CanCon and post-CanCon, and we kind of, you know, collaborated a lot and shared ideas. And I know you and I had some very different ideas on how we build our list. There's a lot of commonality. So um you've done very well with your list um you've stuck with hallow heart so i really want to kind of dig in and understand how you build hallow heart what are the strengths of the army you know explore some of the lists that you've kind of pulled together um and and kind of like start putting it all together it's like you know what would it look like if you were like a magic elf player if it's human we can kind of like play around with that how's that sound
1: absolutely and i think um yeah, Hollow Heart's really attractive in it it can service so many different playstyles and and as you noted coach we've we've chatted before and you've you've done a different playstyle different Hollow Heart when you've brought it to the table to what I've done and and uh, we've also seen success at tournaments in the UK with yet further styles. Uh, it's a very flexible army. Cities itself is very flexible, but Hollow Heart I feel is it takes that flexibility in in what you can do with it to another level as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, if anyone's who's
0: watched this series in the past, they would know by now there is no one silver list. It's not like we're going to tell you the single list that's going to dominate and, and bring world supremacy to mm. your, your gaming table. There are variants of it, but the purpose is really to kind of look at the rules that understand what Halo Heart is all about and then think about how to build and optimize and, you know, bring your favorite models into this Um And that's another key as well, right? You know, I'm not really a big elf player, so I don't want to bring in too many of the elf, like the elf sorceress. Um, But for someone who is an elf player, they want to build around that kind of style. So it's pretty cool that you can kind of uh, bring your flair and kind of bring your army to the table. We're just going to show you some of the paths you can take to get there.
1: I, I also love that aspect of cities as well you can you can really let your imagination run wild with conversions and and we'll get it uh, later in the show to a couple of my own let's, there let's bring it up now let me let, let's just get concern. straight into it oh.
0: let's let me, let me ask you how did you get into to Warhammer um, and then what drew you to to, to this, this particular book
1: so when i started out i i picked up a isle of blood set back in old in the dying days of fantasy battle and really that was around the hobby side i just wanted to paint some miniatures as a bit of a relaxation and um i was doing a bit of that uh, and, and then it got parked and did, uh, parked, put it away when i moved back to geelong a few years ago i i was I'd moved from uh, Melbourne to Brisbane, then back to Geelong and needed to create some new social circles, meet some new people. And I I sort of had a look out. oh, hang on, someone's starting up a um, Age of Sigma um, Tuesday night event. So the local Geelong crew, there was a call out for players to start a new games night. Uh, I went along to the second night. I I missed the first night due to a work clash. And on the second week, I went along there and met a few guys um, who seemed like really great guys and okay i'd like to make better friends with those meet a few new people and start building up from there basically i took the isle of blood set that i had so classic high elf um stuff from from the old world yeah started painting that up and started playing with that as mixed order to learn the game and uh basically it's developed out from there as a hobby at at the moment i actually have four full armies um hollow oh uh, 10,000 points of mixed order, mostly city stuff, uh, 5,000 points of Zench, 5,000 points of Feck, and um, about 3,000 points of Ogre Moor Tribe. So I've I've expanded the hobby quite significantly, but something keeps just bringing me back to mixed order, or or mixed order nowadays is embodied in Cities of Sigma. So it's, um, yeah, really started out on the hobby side and then met a good crew in the Geelong crew, and Started playing games with them and yeah, that's now my crew in, in Geelong and it's an absolutely fantastic scene down in Geelong. We've got So sh-
0: shout out shout out to the Geelong crew. Um couple a couple of names you want to kind of give a shout out to. I'm sure you'll get ribbed because you didn't name everybody, but there's oh, a couple exactly. of avoiding
1: like calling in right, right. we'll just shout out uh, to the Geelong yeah, crew. I mean, too dangerous uh, to miss anyone. Michael <laughs> loves you all. Um, I love you all, guys, and I cannot wait for coronavirus lockdown to be over and we're back to our Tuesday nights and our every second Saturday night at, at my shed to um, yeah for our gaming. <laughs> Yeah, that's sweet. And, and you know what? Cities of Sigmar uh, is such an awesome, you know,
0: it, it puts you in the mortal realms. It's probably the first book that really truly puts you somewhere in the mortal realms. It has so much conversion opportunities. And ever since I've done this series, heaps of people attacking me on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, sending me private messages, just showing off their concepts and their ideas of where their army is in the mortal realms and what they've done to kind of convert that. Um, so it's, it's, it's an exciting opportunity. And um, I'm all about the Wizards. I always have been about the Wizards, uh, which is why the very first army that I ran under Cities of Sigma, hell, even under Firestorm, which was, the the, the um, I guess, the pre-tome to this, um, I was running Hello Heart. I, you only used to get, like, plus one to, to unbind. Yeah, it, was pretty, it, was it, was it was rather garbage. hot garbage back then, <laughs> but um, I'm all about the Wizards, so this show, to me, is going to be brilliant. So yeah. um, you've talked about yeah. what Drew... Sorry.
1: So I, I think the Firestorm is a good point. Like I, I actually was a hollow heart player as Firestorm for at least three tournaments, uh three pretty significant tournaments as well. So there was something about the backstory, the lore, the combo you could do. And and like you said, the rules at the time in Firestorm were pretty underpowered as faction rules. Yeah. So it was not necessarily about picking power lists, but there was yeah, it appealed. And then the day that Cities of Sigma dropped and flicked straight to the um, uh, the faction ability, the city ability for for Hollowheart, it was like, whoa! I now have a top tier army to play with. This is going to be fun.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. You know, and you're right. I mean, um, I famously mentioned a few times on my channel that um, I had bought two thousand points of Sylvan Earth. I built it the day that I picked up the book. Was the day that Cities of Sigma was announced at. I think it was nova um so that whole thing is on the back shelf but luckily for me like you i've got a bazillion um points of, of cities of sigma and i know um something that you're very proud of is um you and i were both up for nomination at cancon which is the world's largest azu Sigmar event for coolest army so um and, and you had an awesome display board you had you know some a lot of conversions i you know i wouldn't mind a, bit, a little bit about your story and what's your hell about
1: yeah, so my Hollow Heart generally has an elf theme, though I've recently also played with a bit of DeWolves in there as well. And uh, even where I've used the humans, uh, like Free Guild, I've tended to find elf uh, stand-in convertible models that, that would work better uh, to keep it all in that same theme. As you said, Magro, the, uh, we, we both got nominated at CanCon for Coolest Army, and that was... That was my objective at Cancon. Uh, winning the games was was bonuses as well, but I was really gunning for it. And and uh, my bid for to get into that shortlist for uh, coolest army was very much based around these two models here. So on the left is my converted Hurricaneum, and on the right is my uh, Luminarc And I took both of these in the list to Cancon, Um we'll chat about those that tactically later on, but yeah i was i had the vision firstly for uh the Luminarc, um with the two big ass lasers on it and and i i almost can't believe i managed to pull it off i'm so proud of this model and and what i pulled together it's um it must be about a 500 dollars model with all the uh, bits that that i had to scrape together to put all the different kits to put it together but it's um yeah, super proud of it. I really stretched my hobby side to to get that out there. And then I had to make a uh brother for him, a brother dragon Drago Magic Tech thingy in the in the Hurricaneum to to match on the um on the left. Yeah, It's
0: pretty it's pretty neat. And I think that's the cool thing, right? Like when I look at my Hurricane, um, I, um, I I built another one and I'm using this uh, the, the Celestin Prime swirl around it. That's mm. a good hu- good $150 model. Um, I'm, I've got Demigris pulling it. There's another $100. Bucks. Uh, but when you look at the army, it's, it's well worth the conversions and your army is fantastic. Your army Yur- Yur- was it-
1: great. Uh, thanks man, so was yours. Yours was incredible too and, and the display board with the rats coming in under the sewers was, was something something else. The um, I, I, I think a point you made earlier, you can play cities either as kind of thematically as humans, as elves or as the wolves but there's so much potential that you don't have to use those models, you can build it around them. Like, one of the things that was kind of driving me to make those two conversions beyond kind of the vision was, well, I, I'm quite an elf themed force and and the classic out of the box models for those two things are uh, 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 don't fit a high elf like look and feel and style. So I needed to make something that was a bit bit more elfy in theme. So elves riding drag, uh, elf arch wizard riding a dragon with two uh, big ass lasers pinned to it. Yeah, uh, that, that'll do rather than some human carp thingy. <laughs> All right, well, you're about to <laughs> badmouth that, That's where I'm we're about, into our uh, uh, conflict in our styles here. I'm about to
0: kick you off the stream and I'll just talk the video myself. So <laughs> I'm just going to nice, lightly pivot and ask you, um, and I'm going to bring up the rules in a second, but what are the strengths of Hollow Heart? If I'm a New Cities player and I haven't played with Hollow Heart, or maybe I've been dabbling, um, what are the, t- the strengths that they bring to the table? Yeah,
1: so the 101 of it is... Firstly, they tap into cities with an extraordinary range of options in your toolkit to build and list around, um, as per any city. But Hollow Heart specifically is about the magic. It's uh, It could be probably the most powerful magic casting faction in the game, with getting very large bonuses if you roll right to your casting. And then you could control your opponent's magic barrage, countering you by ignoring uh one-third of their spells with each five-up roll. You can ignore their spells. So that's the core concept that you control the magic phase. You're you're the masters of magic. And I think Hollow Heart, they contend with a few others. They contend with Seraphon and with Lord Croak and and maybe um a Nagash style list and uh uh, and, of, of course, Zenchus uh, thematically their arch enemy in, in the fluff. Um, but, yeah, between those four lists, uh, that's, this is the order version of, of powerful magic. If you want to play with wizards casting fireballs, then then this is where you come. Yeah. Um,
0: I think the interesting thing with Hello Heart, and you start seeing this for the first time when people start building their lists, is they go all in on the magic. And mm. while magic supremacy in a Hello Heart is really strong um you know you can cast spells on a plus eight um at the same time it's a trap and if you put all of your eggs in one basket you quickly realize you don't have enough bodies on the table you're not going to be claiming objectives and there's only so much a bunch of wizards can do to win a game so, yeah. um, and, and I think you and I, and there's a couple of other Hello Heart players that I've kind of talked with, there is this fine balance of tapping into the magical supremacy, but not putting too many points in that you lose out on bodies, you lose out, out on combat, you lose
1: out on movement. Um, That's. That's exactly right. You could take the uh, the bonuses too far, and and it sometimes gets tempting because you go, oh, I could get a ninety point two cast wizard with powerful spells. Oh, I could surely could shove another one of those in the list, and oh, I could I could get my bonuses with empowered um, uh, empowered endless spells. Oh, that looks even better. We'll get to that as well, but you can end up spending investing exactly too many points, and you really need to balance that and treat magic as one of the I think one of your other guests talks about that three places of power concept or or three Mm. three arcs in your three different threats you need in in your list and magic has to be one of the threats but if you end up putting 12 1500 points into magic with all the tricks that's that's too much you're not leaving enough flexibility left over
0: yeah um the wizards are expensive um endless spells are expensive so you quickly you can quickly get up to like 1200 1300 mm-hmm. points um by 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 going down this route and then 800 points of bodies you're going to get slammed by I, I still remember my very first game with with hello heart um I put a lot. I played locally, just at a games workshop, just to have fun with my mate. And um, I put a lot of eggs in the the wizard basket because um, so I wanted to try out the magical supremacy. But then I got turn one charged by a moor crusher and like fifteen piggies, um, yeah. and there was nothing I could do. And we've got a lot of turn one charging. We've got you know the ogre moor yes. tribes with the stone horns can do that. Um, yeah. There are there are ways you can do it with terror guys. Right. There are just so many things that it's very dangerous and if you don't get a turn to put on your your spells and your buffs and your abilities that collapses
1: yeah not not only that i think uh, magic is inherently a dice game so even with the big bonuses we can get in hollow heart it's you're still in random territory and you're still in a single dice roll you're not you're not diversifying your risk over a uh, 60 rolls where weight of dice reduces your your um, Uh, your standard deviation of of your rolls and you can become statistically reliable where two dice on on a cast can still flub. And frankly, almost every game that I've lost, not every, but vast majority of the games that I've lost running Hollow Heart is when I've rolled a double one for a key spell that I really needed to get off. Yeah, there's um, been plenty of
0: times where I've rolled a double one or, or, or a three. Um, I might have only got, like, a plus two or a plus three to cast yeah. from um, the command ability. And that's still only gets me, like, a five or a six, and then the opponent's yeah. just and like, you can unbind, unbind, it. Unbind, yeah. unbind. And um, that's,
1: that's the danger. If you're all in on magic and you really need that one spell... Basically, any list, and, and this goes for Age of Sigma generally, if you're reliant on a random roll, a 3-plus prayer to go off or a 6-plus or a spell to go off, even with buffs and bonuses and re-rolls, it's inevitable in that clutch moment uh, you're going to flub it or, or the dice will betray you because that's what dice do. So you, you've got to diversify that risk so you're not as reliant on it and, and you yeah. treat it as a bonus and an awesome and... Enough she'll go off, but, yeah. And this goes back to
0: too too heavily investing into um, the magic. So, Michael, what I might want to do is I might want to just look at some of the abilities that you're going to get from Cities of Sigma and then Heart. and I'd love your expert opinion, being a Heart player who's done very well on the scene, to explain to me not what the rule is but how you tap into it or what's the benefit to you as Heart. So when I look at some of the things, the first one we've just called out is this empowered by the realm. So your, your spells are, you know, your, your, um, endless spells are empowered. Um, they're all of your malign sorcery spells, not your forbidden power spells, but basically if a cities of Sigma wizard casts an endless spell, um, and it has one of those abilities. So empowered by Akshi or Shimon or Ger, um, basically they get better. So,
1: at a higher yeah. level,
0: like what, is that, what does that mean to you as a Hollow
1: Heart player? So of all the cities, uh, Hollow Hearts get the, the best bonus out of this. So firstly, most endless spells are somewhat expensive, or the good endless spells are somewhat expensive. So getting your um, bonuses to cast is is going to get that 7-plus uh, Geminids of Ulgush off. Secondly, a real... Uh, the Empowered obviously gives greater synergy. Most of these spells are better versions of, of the textbook spell. Um, so inevitably, even the geminids to continue that example, High Cost Spell, it's a pretty incredible spell that, that's a bit of a base of most lists. Um, you're getting the extra bonus of dealing even more reliable damage with them, uh, with the Empowered version. So nice synergy there then finally and again continuing geminids as the example um predatory spells can sometimes backfire they're a double-edged sword in in the thing in the uh in the game and if you lose control of a, a predatory spell it can backfire and come back onto you and with a uh, hollow heart you could get a baseline five up to just ignore that uh, uh that geminids or that purple sun that just comes back over you and Sure, five-up's not guaranteed, but I'd rather at least have a five-up chance, a one-third chance to ignore a, um, a, a Geminids effect than, than have to face it naked. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, so we're talking a little bit about the Hello Heart rules that we'll get to in a minute, but essentially what I'm hearing is that um, your endless spells get a little bit better and you don't have to pay for it. So yeah. Shackles can be set up a little bit further. Umble we'll Spell Portal doesn't have to worry about the range. Um, yeah. Check the War Scroll. They're just a little bit better. So Yeah, um,
1: Soul Screen Bridge, which we'll talk about, that, that has a longer range, so it gives you a very significant teleport threat range. Geminids is, is awesome. The... the um, other aspect around the spells that, that is a bit more subtle is, uh, for most wizards, you're facing a, um, a triple choice. You've got your your baseline spell in on their war scrolls, uh, which is usually pretty good. Um, you've got a faction spell, uh, a faction spell which most factions get some sort of ability in, in the game to pick a spell for their wizard, and usually you pick the best one um, or, or the one that's going to work tactically. And then if you add an endless spell in as well, well, you don't get uh, – most wizards can cast one spell, and, okay, do I cast my endless spell, do I cast my um, war scroll spell, or do I cast my faction spell – one of the awesome things about um hollow heart uh, and we'll get to that is your wizards get a bonus spell to cast which makes that ability to cast the endless spell doesn't cost you not being able to cast your really good war scroll spell as well
0: yeah there's a lot of redundancy with the spell casting um so let, let's quickly get to the hello heart mm. rules you're starting to ru- we're ruining christmas we haven't got to the hello heart rules yeah. but basically long story short imp- uh, endless spells are good hello heart is locked into the realm of actually which means essentially you can only choose artifacts from actually um before i move into the honored retinue i just want to clarify something that i said earlier that is wrong that is um these abilities so uh, amplify sorceries does impact the forbidden power spells as well. So it's forbidden power and the malign sorcery. What you're looking for is the empowered by Akshi Shimon. You're looking for that on the war scroll. So um just fixing up something that I said that I've just quickly realized uh my brain was not connected to my mouth. Cool. Uh, you've got the honored retinue, which basically means that if your general uh if you choose your general and it has six wounds or less, uh you pick one friendly unit that has uh that can be its retinue. Uh, The unit can only be 5 to 20 models. So anything above 20 models can't be a retinue. And essentially what's going to happen is you can roll the dice every time your general takes a wound or a mortal wound. Uh, If they're within three inches of that retinue on a four plus, they're going to pass it off to the unit instead. So um, how how does that apply to to Hello Heart?
1: Uh, probably the the specific way it applies is you can take a slightly more squishy model as your general. Um, uh, so say a sorceress or a battle mage, which is usually pretty squishy five-word model with no real save. Uh, if you put them near a bodyguard and, and use the loyal shields rule, you can pass off that word and, and they become a bit more survivable to, to stay in the game. Uh, one of the kind of 101s of... Uh, Age of Sigma generally is kill the support heroes, uh, so your opponents are going to be gunning for any squishy five wound, low armor save support hero that's hiding in in your backline. And so, yeah, if they are, if you've picked a Battle Mage or Sorceress to to get the advantage of the extra spell casting in Hollowheart, you can you can add them as your general here and and make them a bit more survivable.
0: Yeah, so if you take the Hurricanum or the Luminarch or a Sorceress on Black Dragon, uh, they have more than six wounds, so they're not going to be able to be a a part of that. But if you are going to take, as you mentioned, a Battle Mage, a Sorceress, uh, a Knight in Cantor from Stormcast, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be able to pass off those mortal wounds, um, which is awesome. Yeah.
1: There's a few other variants of that which we'll get when we get to my list that uh that, that have yeah. benefits as well when you take a non-wizard hero like the anointed or the rune lord. But yeah, and, and that's and that's my general. I, I take the anointed on foot. Yeah.
0: Um but long story short, if you take a smaller foot troop, um not only will you get lookout surf for the minus one to hit, but you'll also get to pass off mortal wounds if there is that honored retinue.
1: Um, the other the other advantage of this, um, again in the more subtle gameplay is you would tend to keep your foot hero then with the core of your army um, yeah. uh, together, which means that if they have useful um, command traits or command abilities that that act as synergy, they they can trigger it over the core of your army. Where something like a sorceress on Black Dragon or or a um, a uh, free guild general on Griffin, you might have sent off on a mission to, to take the flank or something like that. So if you've given them a useful uh, ability that would synergize with your army, well, definitely put it on the small foot hero that's going to stay with the core of your army. Put your general as your foot hero and, and you get the benefit of this extra uh, bonus protection.
0: Yeah, well, not only that, but, you know, the other benefit is going to be this rule called wise counsel, where basically the start of the hero phase, if your general's within three inches of the adjutant, or adjutant, depending on um, how you want to say that, but the adjutant, you roll a dice, I don't know, four plus, you get an extra command point. So, um, which is super fascinating as well
1: yeah and and generally, I just go for lieutenant because I uh, stuff up adjutant, adjutant, whatever uh, so lieutenant <laughs> the yeah th- this gives you an incentive to take two of your small heroes, keep them together, keep them near the retinue. What it does require is however to be carefully thinking in your deployment phase, okay where's my retinue going to go is that where do i want my general to go and where do i want the lieutenant slash adjutant to go um to get the buffs that they are going to cast or or their command abilities or command traits that they're going to cast so you have to really be careful with your deployment here because three inch range is is not very far apart you need to keep them together and um yeah that several times i've i've misdeployed and forgotten about it and and end up regretting it so really forces you to think ahead. And I think that's one of the themes in general with Hollow Heart. You, you have to, it's a complex army, complex list to play and, and you have to really think ahead on these these kind of things and maybe take, uh, take some notes down through your deployment phase and whatever to remind yourself, okay, I need to keep those three aspects of my army together and they need to work well together.
0: I think the cool thing for Hello Heart compared to the other cities, though, is Wise Council. Uh, Council, in my opinion, is easier to do, and the reason it's easier to do is when you start looking at the battalion that we have, which is a very strong battalion. It rewards you for having two wizards next to each other. So if you have a double battle mage or a sorceress and a battle mage or whatever combination you might have, not only are you going to get the battalion benefit, but you'll also get the the uh, Wise Council as well. So. um that for me is stronger in Hollow Heart than it is in the other cities. Um, yeah,
1: Hollow Heart, even beyond the Battalion, even the Arcane Channel ability, which I think we'll jump to pretty soon, is, yeah. is um, it, it encourages you to stick together with those overlapping kind of buff ranges? Yeah,
0: uh, the last rule we've got is the Stormkeep. So one in every four of your um, your unit selections can be Stormcast Eternals. Uh, this doesn't count as your allies. It is just basically going to be choosing a Stormcast unit, put it in your army. They gain the uh, Cities of Sigma and the Hollow Heart keyword as well. So that's obviously replicable across all of the cities. But in the example of, of Hollow Heart. That Night Cantle, for example, becomes a Hollowheart Heart Wizard. Michael, what does it mean um, if we're bringing a Stormcast into this army?
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll probably get to those faction abilities, but the, the Stormcast Wizards get the Faction Cities bonuses, uh, the Hollowheart Heart Wizard bonuses, so they become more powerful versions of themselves as wizards. Uh, the other one, I think, to think about with uh, with Hollow Heart as a fun list is add the, Celestri- um, the Star Drake the star drake adds uh bonuses to cast for other stormcast wizards as well as negatives to um your opponent's casting so to reinforce that kind of magic supremacy as well as give you a big tanky unit a, a star drake actually works pretty well as as one of your um uh stormcast units into cities probably not the the most hyper competitive version of of hollow heart but it's a fun way to play that has a nice little synergy in it
0: yeah and you know means you could bring in a lord Arcadum, you can bring you know the um the lord aquila there's so many cool armies and then you can just do whatever you want with it and we'll talk about our lists and some ideas but um uh, you, know, it, it, you know, the Night in Cantor is the quick one that everyone kind of jumps into because it, it gives you access to the Stormcast, the Everblaze Comet. It uh, has the, has the auto-unbind once, once a game.
1: Uh, absolutely. But uh, the look on an opponent's face, if uh, if you've got the Lord Carnum combined with a Star Drake, it finally takes the Star Drake down. And maybe you've got the Star Drake built in the so-called unkillable Star Drake mode. Um, which if anyone's interested, they could do a Google search on it. I won't go through that tactic, but um, they finally kill the Stardrake and then uh, your, your Lord Arcanum clicks his fingers and it comes back alive with one wound. And then it, you're rolled into your uh, magic phase and, and heal it up for D6 and the damn thing's uh, all of a sudden sitting on five or six wounds again in, in unkillable mode, um, uh, while also giving that kind of magic supremacy synergy. A game then, probably not a hyper tune, but quite a fun way to play. <laughs>
0: that's a pretty pretty scary idea. Um, so that's that's what you get for being Cities of Sigma. And then when we go that one step further and choose our allegiance to Hallow Heart, a couple of other things you're gonna get. One, we've already acknowledged this city comes from Akshi, which means that you must choose uh the, the spell that the spells, the artifacts from Malign Sorcery from Akshi. You can't choose it from any other realm. You're landlocked to Akshi. Um you then get this rule called um, Eldric Attunement. So basically each time a friendly Hallowheart unit is affected by a spell or an endless spell, you can roll a dice. Uh, on a five plus, you're going to ignore the effects of that spell or an endless spell to that unit. So
1: what's I, that all about? We, are, we already talked about this, The the uh, hinted at it before, you... Uh, uh, Definitely takes the edge off having your Predatory Endless Spells uh, rebound on you. Or if your opponent is an aggressive caster like Zench, uh, you, you could definitely take the edge off them. Not only do you in, inherently have a lot of unbinds anyway, because you've got lots of wizards um, if you're playing this faction. So you'll take the edge off his casting via unbinding a few of them, and you'll take the edge off um, of how much he does by ignoring one third of them. Again, a Nagash-style list that, that's trying to shoot a machine gun of arcane bolts at you, uh, you're ignoring one-third of them. It's, it's quite an effective um, thing. It is a little bit situational because across the overall meta, majority of spells, uh, not all, but majority are generally buff-type spells rather than uh, aggressive-type spells. It's only some factions that genuinely use hardcore aggressive magic. So... Sometimes you'll, you'll find you'll barely even use this, um, even if the, the uh, opponent has a, aggressive magic. For example, Feck. Feck can be built quite strongly around a magic-type build with a lot of bonuses, but basically all their spells are buff spells, which this has no, no use in, in mitigating
0: no i will call out though uh there is there is a very critical word in that sentence and it says you can roll the dice so if you try to buff if you try to put like a mystic shield or an oh you try to you know put some type of buff onto your unit um you don't have to roll a five plus on your own spell um it is an optional thing i know there are some um some units in the game i believe it's a stormcast unit from memory that you must roll even if you try to mystic shield your own unit but uh, this is optional for Hallow Heart players. Yeah, good point, coach. Um, just, just for wording. So if you're like, oh, I don't want to. Uh, next one is you've got the Halo Heart wizards can cast an extra spell uh, in each of their hero phases.
1: Yeah, this is really powerful. You've basically doubled the effectiveness of your wizards, like, or your. Small caster, single caster, 90-point battle mages or sorceresses, uh, all of a sudden become two casters, would be the cheapest two casters in the game, and they have access to quite effective spells and synergies to cast on. This is uh, over and above the other abilities. This one, in my mind, is the ability that makes Hollow Heart competitive and good. The, the other ones are nice, but... Really doubling the effectiveness of your single cast mages, being able to cast your endless spells and your good faction spells or your good um, uh, war scroll spell is is really powerful. As well as that is, if you've got three three or four casters in your list, and and that would generally where you're going to land if you're playing this um, on balance. Like as as Coach said earlier, you could go all in here and end up with twelve or fifteen spells, but You're probably going to balance it out at at, uh, 3 or 4 casters, 6 or 8 spells. Um, You're going to overwhelm your opponent's ability to unbind. It's forcing them to go, all right. I've got 3 unbinds in my list. Which of these 3 nasty spells am I going to reserve my unbind attempts for? Which means you're getting at least, say, 5 free casts. Um, Make sure you, you, you use that tactically to yeah take advantage of the free casting that you're inevitably getting yeah i i got
0: uh, one list that i got up to was 11 casts um i may have gotten to 13 12 cast with cogs um no was it cogs yeah Long oh, story didn't... short, I, I regardless even when i when i was at 11 spells in one particular game it was way too many um i yeah. ran I, I found out that i was i was running i had run out of good spells to cast in the right situation so while i could do all this damage when it kind of got to spell seven spell eight i, I was doing rubbish so yeah. you know really that seven I to nine was kind of cast. my sweet spot yeah seven to nine is like my sweet spot but um
1: I I think that's right. You end up with inefficient. You're just casting the whatever spells, a a bullshit mystic shield or an arcane bolt that doesn't actually change the game. At best, if you don't outright just run out of spells to cast. Even with eight, sometimes you're out of range. In turn one in particular, you can't actually effectively cast your shorter range spells. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's awesome. And before I move on to the last ability, I will say what's
0: really cool for me is um, I would take a lot of redundancy. So there were some particular spells that I really, really wanted. Um, Ignite weapons, for example, is one that I really wanted. Uh, by having double casters, it meant that I could have at least two, if not three, Ignite weapons. It doesn't mean I could cast three Ignite weapons a turn, but it means that I could choose um, which is the right wizard to cast at the right time. Um, and yeah. that was really powerful for me.
1: absolutely and you've hinted on um another rule that synergizes in here that hollow heart wizards get to pick two of their faction spells not just one uh so you get a lot of flexibility and you can build redundancy and i think it's actually quite important to build redundancy into any list that uh, the synergies are based on a five wound model with uh with no armor save or, or a six up armor save it's uh uh, they're going to die um the, your opponent's going to target them they are going to die so you need to have some degree of redundancy in the late game to be able to get some some nice buffs up yeah, spot on, spot on. Uh, the final one we'll talk about, and this is, we've already alluded to this, the arcane
0: channeling. So you can use this command ability at the start of your hero phase. If you do so, pick one friendly and a uh, Heart wizard hero and roll a dice. That wizard suffers uh, a number of mortal wounds equal to that role. In addition, until the start of your next hero phase, you add that role to the casting role made by friendly Hallow Heart wizards while they're within 12 of that wizard. Now, before Michael, you explain something. I will call out that this rule has been FAQ'd. So uh, we'll talk about the FAQ version, um, but do go check out Games Workshops FAQs to see um, what we're going, what we're about to talk about here. So,
1: so probably, probably first off, when this rule first came out, it was eye-wateringly good, and and we'll talk about how the fact uh, it was uh, bustedly good, it, it was. was so busted good. to hell like uh, yeah i i was actually kind of uh, starting to prepare my um uh, my victory speech for winning cancon like uh, it was so powerful that that yeah it's um uh you could expect to to dominate um the the hint in the rule as written on the page before we get to the fact is twofold one you could uh, you could ignore those rules, uh, ignore those mortal wounds that you take. So, for example, you are from ASCII, and, and we'll get to the artifacts. But Matt, Matt, Matt,
0: just just to avoid confusion, maybe we'll just uh, talk about the yeah re- like, that's the probably today the point. Yeah, yeah so just today... so like someone doesn't
1: yeah. So the today version of it is you cannot or. If you ignore any of those mortal wounds, for example, you you pass them off with the honoured retinue or or an ignac scales or any other thing that ignores the mortal wounds, then you don't get the bonus. You only get the bonus for the number of wounds that you your wizard actually suffers. the The constraint that that creates is the risk of your little five wound wizards. Um, basically, you. You, if you use Arcane Channel, you roll a five or a six, they instantly blow their head off with yeah. channeling that magic. So instant death. Uh, which I've uh, done. Which I did a campot, actually, actually, for lols. Which you can do. I and mean, in if you're desperate, you you um, you can put the Arcane Channel on them. If you absolutely need to roll the dice to win the game, but to take the gamble, sure, do it. But you don't want to be doing that turn one or two and blowing your wizard up. Um. The second aspect that, that got nerfed out of this is you can only do it once. So you can only spend the command point once uh, per hero phase rather than as written technically multiple times. That, of course, now makes it risky. You spend a precious command point and you roll a one, and you get a grand total of one to your bonus to cast. Um Sure, better than none, but it's cost you a command point and it doesn't bring your reliability statistical reliability level up high enough to to make sure you get those seven six plus seven plus spells off in in a range that cannot be unbound. So it, it becomes a little bit a um, little bit swingy if, if you only get a small roll on your Arcane channel and then yeah you flub a, a, one, a two roll or a three roll on a key spell and you get unbound. So let me let me break down the
0: process for everyone. So start of the start of the hero phase, I'm gonna do arcane channeling and I roll a dice. Now let's say I'm gonna do it with my Hurricane, my Hurricanum. So there's no there's no mortal wound safe there. So I roll the dice. Um, uh, I roll a dice and it's a four. Now my hurricanum doesn't get plus four to the cast because it's only the other wizards within 12 mm. inches that get the plus four. Um, now that Hurricanum, if I roll a four, is going to take four mortal wounds. If I had ignac Scales, which ignores mortal wounds on a four plus, it's the total damage that it takes. So if I if I save two of those four wounds, it means I'm only getting a plus two, even though I roll the four. So it's based on the damage that the Hurricanum received. Um I when I do it with my Hurricane, I would opt to not take my four up. But what you can also do is you can then heal it so you can so you can take the damage and then use something like emerald life swarm um, there is a, a native healing spell in Hollow heart that can then heal up those four wounds are you, yeah, confused, I, yet? Are you confused yet
1: yeah it, it's it gets complex and you have to be very careful how you do it because it's a big uh, when you overlay the fact um, what, one thing to note though and I'm not 100% sure but I'm 95% sure I think Ignax scales you must use it for any mortal wound so you cannot I stopped, that, do... I stopped taking Ignax scales on my horizontal yeah. for that pure. So you reef. can't use that you can't use that trick to in case you get it too too high um uh, otherwise you'd be able to check the nice facts guys
0: for, for for my rules lawyers who are watching this if i have to do ignac scales um then straight up you you, you know you're only going to get half of those that dice roll potentially yeah. in additions um and
1: it's cost uh, you a cp
0: <laughs> it has cost you a cp the cool thing is is that i've gotten my casts up to like a plus six plus seven plus eight I've gotten mm-hmm. some really high cast. You know, your Sorceress can get plus two on a cast. The hurricane gives plus one to the cast. I get up to plus six here with with the Arcane Channeling, but it's also going to be a plus one, which is not a lot. And then the yeah. Battalion gives you a plus one to cast. So yeah. this is where the trap comes in that it's really, really, really strong. You put too many eggs in the Hello Heart basket, you're not going to have a lot a lot left um, to, to screen, to claim objectives, to handling combat
1: um, and do other yeah. stuff and i, I think the uh, and you you've already started it this ability drives a an essential list choice you have to have a high wound wizard to take the hit to use this ability uh so that in in the book means you've either got hurricaneum luminarch the sorceress on dragon or the battle mage on griffin frankly battle mage on griffin's Pretty average. Sorceress. Sorceress still it can maybe work, but nowhere near. It's really if you're, dark, if, you're if you're running a pure Darkling coven,
0: yes, the Sorceress yep. of Black Dragon's good, but for anyone else. No.
1: Nah. Nah. And and Darkling Coven itself, yeah, yeah, it's hard to make that super competitive. And then uh so really it drives a list choice that you need one of the Luminarch or Hurricaneum. Or both, and and I actually took uh, took both uh, to CanCon where I know Magro, I think you just took uh, took the hurricane and, and we'll chat through the yeah. benefit of both of those as we get to list build stage. So yeah. really that that instantly sinks 280, 290 points instantly into your list and it starts to drive your list construction that, that you need to pick one of those two as, as the core to use that ability. Now, luckily, they become two casters themselves and and therefore look quite efficient and and get other synergy from the other Hollow Heart rules. And both of them buff your magic phase one way or another anyway. The Hurricane buffs your spell casting even further, and the Luminarch gives you uh, greater control uh, by buffing your defensive magic, your Unbinding.
0: Before I bring up your list, Michael, and we talk a little bit about the construction and then putting everything that we've just talked about into practice, uh, I'm getting some questions in the chat that I think is really relevant and topical right now. And, and that is people are curious about, we've talked about the magical supremacy of Hallow Heart, but how does it stack up to the likes of Seraphon, um, your um, your Lord of Change and your, you know, your Zench? Um, because because Seraphon currently is dominating when you look at Tabletop yep. Simulator. Uh, we're seeing, yep. you know, uh, the Starborn, uh, C- Lord Croak, really, really dominating. Um, yeah,
1: I've, I've and- had two games against that list uh, and I got my butt handed to me both those games. Um, is that from uh, an experience that you have, you know, you're learning and you're trying to understand it or
0: are you just finding that they just do it better than us?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, the first game definitely uh, chalked up to I had no idea what it did and huge mistakes, and, and we, uh, the mate I was playing with, we were playing in the spirit of, of learning how to do it, so it wasn't a competitive cutthroat game. The second one, I, I was a bit rusty, made a few mistakes, but uh, he played it better. He had he could stuff my magic down. Luckily, he had an arcane in his deployment, so I got his unlimited... Range unbinds with, I think, plus three or plus four, and he could just shut my magic down totally. Um, with four unbinds, and and not you, you could hollow heart can survive not getting all your spells off. Um, like if, if you only get half your spells off, okay, you, you're still in the game and, and competitive, but if all of them get shut down through either poor dice rolling or, or your opponent being able to stuff you, it you do start to push uphill a little bit, uh, a little bit there. Um, yeah. Look, yeah. look, if
0: you if you get a really good roll with magi- the the arcane channeling and you've it, got enough spells spell over to cast, yeah. you will be able to eventually, you will be able to dominate in magic. But um, would I say they go toe-to-toe? I think, um, but at the same time, Seraphon is probably all in on the magic. If you're building the Starborn Croak, um yep. not talking about the coalesced. If you're going Starborn Croak, um, and this is not the Seraphon show, I think you can go toe-to-toe, and I think things like the Luminarch and there's there's some tools that you have that will help yep. us. Um and I, this
1: I, is probably I, it is a it's one of my tougher matchups for sure. One of one of Hollow <laughs> yeah. Heart's tougher matchups. It's not a auto-lose. I, I actually think it's gonna be a balanced 50-50 that will ultimately come down to player skill and a bit of luck on the dice uh, which which is what all good games do um, if if you're against a, a top player playing a um uh, a optimized seraphon croak list it's we can win it it's not a you don't don't give up or walk away from the table there is there is pathways to victory it just won't be an easy win <laughs>
0: So what I've brought up is, um, and you were, you were very kind of send this to me, um, because there are lots of different ways to build this list, and you've given me three different examples. And what you've what you've illustrated here is a core force that you're kind of building around, and then you've taken three different varieties. So maybe we'll start with the top of the umbrella, and that is your core force. So I can see that you've got a Huracan or a Luminarch, you've got one battle mage or a sorceress, the Sisters of the Thorn, the 30 Phoenix Guard, which are coming at about 980 points. Um, why is this your core? Talk me through each of your decisions. So let's start off with the Huracanum or the Luminarch.
1: Yeah, so I think we've already talked a little bit about the Hurricane or Lumenarch. The, the Arcane Channel basically forces you have to take one of those two. The And it's actually a really tough choice. I, I think most players default to the Huracanum and... And I probably default a little bit more to the Hurricane than Luminarch, but only by a smidgen. The Luminarch has, in my mind, a better scroll spell in Farz Protection um, for the playstyle. You put Farz Protection on Phoenix Guard and they gets the minus one to hit. That's a, a pretty significant uh, defensive buff. On top of it, six up ward save. The other thing I like about the Luminarch is, The other two things I like about the Luminarch over the Hurricanum is it 6-up DPR save or ignore damage save, effectively adds two extra wounds to it. So the Hurricanum is an 11-wound model, so is the Luminarch, 11-wound model, but with the uh, ward save or the the DPR save, it statistically becomes a 13-wound model. May not sound like much, but those two statistical extra wounds when you're, you're getting blasted in the early game by long-range magic or a um, uh, or, or long-range missile fire from Caradron or, or an alpha-striking flamer horde or something, those statistical two extra wounds can, can make the difference between the damn thing surviving to, versus being sniped off first turn. And given that it's the linchpin of your army, it's uh, I like it there. The other thing I like about the Luminarch is all of these list versions are high drop, uh, like 10 or 11 drop mostly, which means you usually have no choice of turn, which most of the time your opponent puts you in as as first turn, so they gun for the double Um it's usually a good choice for your opponent to give you the first turn. A lot of your damage spells are eighteen inch; you're a bit out of range. It's uh, there's only certain builds that can have an effective, really effective first turn in in here. But we'll get to those. It's interesting to see that because actually, with a thirty inch laser, to to actually start chipping some damage out of those backfield heroes that is that he's hidden away. Yeah.
0: i i think the interesting thing is i was taking the battalion um uh, so most of the time i was actually getting to tell my opponent if they go first or second um in the average game i wanted to give up first turn because i want them closer to my spell casting
1: oh, uh, absolutely
0: if, if i t- if i take in most scenarios if i take first turn that is one less spell casting turn however i can do some buffs but I'm, all my damage stuff, I'm really limited. So um, yeah. keep, keep that yeah. in mind.
1: Absolutely. With, with a high drop list, and, and I've almost always played high drop lists and, and I haven't taken the, the uh, battalion as, as a variant on coaches. Um, with a high drop list, you'll usually be given first turn and you usually can't do much about it. But yeah. I try and build the lists around and the later variant two and variant three give you some pretty significant options to be a first turn threat through the soul screen bridge that makes the opponent question you. Variant one and two both have Geminids in it, uh, which means if you get double turned, you put the Geminids out in the midfield and you roll the Geminids over to deal. Uh, when your opponent wins the turn roll and has double turned you, you roll the Geminids over and debuff his army so you can, you can take the hit of your opponent double turning you back um obviously 30 phoenix guard in the core uh, are usually pretty tanky you could take a bit of a hit though they do melt a bit under a, a sustained double turn but they, they could take it a bit if, if protected by screens and the, and and the opponent, reason and,
0: and the reason they do that is because they have a four up additional save after their yeah. regular save
1: and so the the variant two and three both have the soul screen which gives me an option to do a first turn. Go aggressive, uh, potential alpha strike or, or other aggressive type movement. Variant 1 it was interesting and it was specific for Cancon. In Cancon, we had access to uh, miracle which was a teleport spell. We were playing in the realms and had the spells. And... The first turn shenanigan I would be pulling there would be to teleport the Sisters of the Thorn forward, usually the Sisters, but sometimes the other wizards, and then cast Geminids from quite a forward range. And at that range, your Geminids are usually ripping into your into opponent's entire army. So you, you can actually end up doing a lot of damage if, if you can get them up there that first turn. So, really, as a high drop list, I wanted to have the options in any of these lists in that I don't actually care that much if I'm given the first turn or or have to take uh, the the second turn. Taking the second turn with Hollow Heart, your opponent does not want to face a double turn against any of these lists. The Mortal Wound ranged output or in the third version of the list, you've got some Iron Drakes in there. No one wants to face a double turn of of being smashed by a Hollow Heart magic phase or, or missile phase. And so your opponent will bias themselves to giving you that first turn. So you want to, these lists are all designed to punish that as well, or at least give you an option to punish that if if the opportunity arises. Otherwise, as coach said, if you can be stuck doing a pretty ineffective first turn, casting a couple of buff spells, but yeah, your your army bit's too slow, can't really do much, bit of positioning, and then you're sitting around waiting to be double turned against.
0: Yes, and, you know, and, and like when we look at some your you know, some of your list varieties, um, there's some really interesting synergies, right? Or there's some li- interesting things to call out. So your harakanum is going to give plus one to the cast of all of your um collegiate arcane wizards, which is essentially your harakanum, your luminarch, and your battle mages. Um the sorceress does not get a plus one to cast from the hurricaneum. The battle mage itself is pretty cool because it has eight different spells you can choose from you must choose which realm that it comes from um, like you i really like the spell from hish um, which which basically puts uh, a one unit as minus one to hit um but there are some other cool spells i took one with um from shimon which was like a, a d6 fireball um you've got the spell from gurr which allows you to get plus two to your run and charge rolls um, that's my favorite of the lot <laughs> it's a great one um, there's a whole bunch of different ones and considering it synergizes really well to the huracanum it's a it's a nice little power pair um if you're willing for the huracanum to kind of hang around and the huracanum has great spells on it as well yeah. on the flip on the flip side you've got the luminarch um and the huracanum does a whole bunch of mortal wounds as well from its from its shooting attack <laughs> but where the Luminarch really comes into play is it has a, a probably not as damaging um uh shooting attack as the Hurricanum, but the threat range is 30 inches shooting uh, obviously plus the movement which is like 10 or 11. um so the the, the Luminarch has a, a will really concern people so if you're talking about dealing with croak um you deal with croak or that lord of change not by trying to go toe to toe with the magic is you're popping them with shadow warriors you're popping it with that um that luminarch laser beam um
1: yeah that's geminids, how you it. Have, geminids with 26 inch threat range so you got geminids with 26 inch threat range luminarch with 40 inch threat range um uh your, your shadow warriors appearing anywhere with 18 inch threat range 9 inch from an enemy usually between those three sources of damage you can probably snipe out a key support hero if you focus on them. If your opponent's done, it probably won't kill a croak uh, if he's protected by some Saurus Guard, uh, but it's going to worry Croak a bit. At least it's going to force your opponent to defensively wrap Croak to to allow that, and and Croak won't like taking two turns of that for sure. He it will force your opponent to then take out those threats to Croak. And that leaves your core of your army, the rest of your army, to, to start dealing with with the rest of his army. Yeah. Um, if we stay on for a moment, Coach, roll back up on the core. We didn't get to the other bit. So 30 Phoenix Guard almost uh, probably don't need to be over-elaborated. They're, they're the, no, um, no, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't mind elaborating for a second.
0: And there's, there's a good point. I, I wouldn't mind calling out. And a lot of people who are watching these videos probably hear a lot of people talking about Phoenix Guard. But in Halo in HelloHud, I think they're, they're needed more than ever. And there's a key reason for that. Um, and that is that, you know, this Harakanum, this ma- this Battle Mage, um, if you do a double, you know, Harakanum and Illuminarch, that's a big, juicy center in your army that's worth a lot of points. And if you don't have something that can kind of protect them, there, there goes half your army.
1: I uh, I think it's... Protection is one thing, and and there's various ways to protect. And Phoenix Guard as as defence is one of their roles. But I think it's more you're going to be sinking at least six, seven, maybe eight hundred points uh, into magic, including yes. your um your um uh, endless spells. Phoenix Guard are not a defensive unit. They that's not their role. They are a multi-purpose unit. I, I sometimes yes. see on various threads that, oh, Phoenix Guard, they're just a defense unit. No, they are the best multi-purpose unit. And if you've sunk 600 points into one part of your army, you need a multi-purpose unit. So some games you'll need a bubble wrap and defend your, your fortress of magic power, and you'll need to fort up with the Phoenix Guard. But other games you need to get bodies pushed out onto the objectives in the middle or to even be pushing into your opponent's end zone and and you're going to need some elite attackers to to take the fight to the enemy and and push them forward so they're multi-role the fact that they're a multi-role unit is really critical in hollow heart given you are sinking so many points into specialization around the magic yes so
0: yes So, good point they are both a great hammer and they're a great a great anvil which is also why I can see you in your list one and two, you've also got the anointed on foot, which is a perfect synergy for the Phoenix guard. Um, So you're you're 100% correct. They will protect your army quite well um, if you you need to castle up or defend. But the reason I always take them is because once they absorb a hit, they, they also can punch back, and they can punch back just as hard, if not harder, because the Hurricane's giving them plus one to hit, the Anointed for a command ability is going to be able to re-roll wounds uh, if they're within twelve or eighteen of the the Anointed. They don't have to take battle shock. Yeah, um,
1: so straight up, and like they got range one, they got two inch range. Um, the two inch the, it, it, the two inch range is worth calling out. The the Phoenix Guard are on twenty five mil bases, which means the two inch range gets you effectively a three rank attack. Uh, if by the time you kind of position on properly, that they are one of the only units in the game with a two-inch reach, a, a, an elite attack profile, two-inch reach on 25 mil bases. Yeah, yeah, 25 mil is, is huge. It's huge. It it really increases their attack power effectiveness. Um, um, yeah. They were, in previous editions in Firestorm version, they were 360 points for 30 and probably the most points efficient unit in the entire System, they're four hundred twenty points now for three for thirty. That's a lot of points going into them. Um, the some people's it, when they talk cities go well Phoenix Guard are under That's not true. I think they're fairly pointed relative to the overall system. I would probably argue that many of the other options within cities for for your elite inventory are probably over pointed and and need a copper points reduction to make them viable relative to to phoenix guard as your option like black guard for example phoenix guard just so much better all around and well i was having this discussion with
0: i was having this discussion with a friend the other day about great swords and as much as i love great swords um, they are the same points they're like literally the same points and yeah they do some mortal wounds on a six to hit but if i've got great swords versus phoenix guard hands down i'm taking phoenix guard Uh, but it is if you, a unit of 30 is going to be a one quarter of your army, put an anointed in, you're now at you know, uh, 500 points like straight 20, up, so yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so they're great, and that's why, again, if you're going to sink so many points, they need to be multi role. The, the third thing in the the final thing in the core is the Sisters of the Watch, which I've had a lot of questions over. Uh, sorry, Sisters the of the Thorn, why yeah. are they there? they are they also get they are a wizard so they also get the uh, hollow heart bonuses for wizards extra spell um, the bonuses to magic the the extra picks and the way i view them is you've actually got here a a, a very multi role unit 130 points get you a two caster wizard with 10 wounds that takes up a um, oh, I don't know roughly an 18 inch board space um between their 60 mil bases an inch gap and five five models in the unit. That gives you a lot of zone control. And so the role the Sister of the Thorn almost always do is they sit behind my back line and act as the uh, zone out control. So people can't uh, deep strike or, or edge strike from the, from the board behind my uh, front line. Usually you've got like the Phoenix Guard on the front line. The Wizards hiding behind the Phoenix Guard and then the Sisters of Thorn protecting the backfield so your opponent can't get in and, and uh, take out those Wizards from from Deep Strike shenanigans. So Sisters of Thorn, 130 points for a multi-role unit. In the mid or late game, you can then send them forward to, to contest an objective. Depending on the mission pack, you, you might be able to seize an objective with them if it's a teleporting orb or relocation orb. They count as a wizard for that, uh, very effective in that mission. Um, and as well as that, we'll get to it. They, they do synergize with the Eternal Guard as well in, in one of these builds pretty well. So for 130 points, you get a lot of value in, a, in another multi-role unit there. Yeah, no, that's great,
0: and, and I can see you've got a whole, cool. <laughs> you've got a whole bunch of endless spells, which I really love. You know, I can see you've got combination of things like Gemini's, which you've already talked about, is a great damage dealing, but also a debuff, for either the minus one to hit or the minus one damage. Um, you've got palisades there. You've got uh, soul scream bridge. Um, I know I really enjoyed running outworld life swarm. Um, there's a whole bunch of endless spells I love running. I just that's just my favorite thing in the world, um, is running. No, nothing makes me more happy than throwing endless spells at my opponents. Um, yeah. Talk me through I, some of the other, you know, you've obviously got the Soul Screen Bridge and you've got Palisades. Um, you know, what's the strategy or what's the ideas so, behind that?
1: So Palisades uh, ended up, I had 50 points spare. I wanted to position for a triumph, so I didn't want to fill out with, say, Aether Wings or, or a 50-point spell. 1980, I tend to build most of my lists at 1980 um, or 1970 to, to fish for a triumph. I've, I find them good value uh, for sacrificing 20 points. Um, the Palisades basically just was was a point filler, and I don't think I cast it a single time at Cancon. It ended up just being a waste of wasted space, to be honest. Um, uh, it can be effective if if you're playing a control style, which is what I was intending with that list, but it just situationally never really came off it tends to be quite situational if you can block up a couple of bits of terrain put the bridge in front put the palisades in front uh, and you and your opponent can't get through the downside the big downside to Palisades is it's a five cast which means if you're critically using it to block up an opponent's kind of pathway of movement, they only need a cast, roll of six to unbind it if it's a real critical move. And if it's not a critical move, then, well, does it really matter? So if it's a critical move, your opponent will get rid of it uh, unless they're unlucky and if it's not a critical move then it doesn't really matter so i have struggled to find value with palisades unfortunately um i mean i mean if they if they try to
0: unbind it then there's one less spell they're casting one less spell um, i suppose and because it's empowered by the realm also on a 5 plus the opponent's going to be minus 1 to hit um from that that radius so yeah um there's some, there's there's some there's some stuff in
1: there there is some stuff in there and and I did have a thought at one point with that variant one. I could get opponent up to I think uh, minus four to hit uh, between the Luminarch casting a Fars protection on the Phoenix Guard, the Sorceress doing a Word of Pain on your opponent's main attack unit, dumping a uh, Geminids on onto them um, for a debuff, and then if the Palisades was positioned appropriately, you could you would really drain the vitality away from that. Um, Unit of thirty, uh, unit of twenty fire slayers in Lord of the Lodge. Which um, uh, one of the local guys in Geelong, Nathan, he, he's a good fire slayers player, and a lot of my practice games at Cancun were playing against uh, fire slayers Lord of the Lodge. So I was quite conscious of that as a threat and and debuffing debuffing Lords of the Lodge. Um, the uh, the rest of that, that first army, you've got the anointed. The, sorry, I took both big units, so the Luminarch and the Hurricaneum. and the primary reason was I wanted both conversions and, and gunning for a coolest army nom, but there was a genuine tactical reason as well. It gave me redundancy. Uh, the Having both big lots, I was actually thinking the meta would be quite Zench Heavy, and uh, I was a bit worried about KO with their long threat ranges as well. Being able to drop in and Alpha Strike me, take out my big guy, take out, say, the Hurricane if I only had one. And if they take that out, it's such a linchpin model for the army, you start to – if they can Alpha Strike and kill that thing on first turn, you're starting to struggle. So I wanted a bit of redundancy. The – the luminarch's a very expensive choice though to create redundancy it, it doesn't feel like it's efficient to to be putting nearly 600 points in on that and and you're starting to run out of bodies but um it might be a medical and and it ended up working out for me anyway because because it is still a good model in itself
0: um, and it's and it's and it's um and uh, it's a war scroll spell is a, a really good horde killer as well so mm. um
1: yeah so yeah, the Anointed synergizes with the Phoenix Guard. He's their captain of the Phoenix Guard. Um, the no battle shock and um, um, uh, re-roll wound rolls uh, on the attack phase with a commander point. So very good synergy on the Anointed. The Anointed also had um, – he was my general uh, to get the advantage of the the, the – Uh, city's abilities for extra command points and to pass off wounds and he also had had, um thermal rider cloak and we we skipped over the artifacts but thermal rider cloak tends to be my go-to artifact in in uh in hollow heart limited to ashqui and for the anointed my my theory of the hollow the thermal rider was very much to contest those hero missions, um, three places of arcane power. And uh, I'm not sure if there was one or two in Cancom, but he's quite fast moving. He can keep up with the the um, Phoenix Guard and jump to the front lines if he needs to. And between his own four-up DPR save, plus uh, passing off potentially passing off wounds to uh, one of the units of Dark Shards, He's basically a cockroach. He's really, really difficult to kill. Difficult to kill to the point of opponents won't even bother. Like, to yeah. kill a small foot hero with that much protection, they won't bother. They'll often forget about him. And he adds quite a bit of beef to the Phoenix Guard as synergy. And in the right mission, he's absolutely clutch when your thermal rider cloak-wearing anointed can rapidly redeploy to seize a hero mission um, objective or land on in relocation orb land on the with an artifact count as 20 models by landing on the middle of the objective it's um it's a really powerful option to have so that's why anointed wearing the Thermal Rider tends to be a, a kind of go to option for me with the flexibility that that gives. Yeah, I I, I I also take the Thermal Rider
0: cloak, but I'll often put it on things like the Huracanum. Because one of the things that I found with my army is that I kept getting bogged down with my battle line. The Huracanum wasn't able to move up fast enough. So it allowed me to be able to fly over my screens and move where I needed that Huracanum to do a whole bunch of mortal wounds. So, um obviously, you know, we're, we're, what we're doing here is we're kind of showcasing some different ways to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, you well, obviously choose your own adventure on what seems yeah, to yeah. work for you, but I think it sounds like we're both uh, big advocates of Thermal Rider Cloak.
1: Thermal Rider's, I think, the go-to choice for, for Hollow Heart. Our, our own uh, faction artifacts are pretty ordinary. Um, I, so I, I would take the Witfire
0: Tome. Um, Witfire Tome, Whit-
1: if you're building around an endless spell list and and, yep. <laughs>
0: So I I would take the Witfire Tome um, because I would always take the Battalion so I'd have two artefacts, and uh, what I would do with the Witfire Tome is I'd put it on my Anointed, um, which would make my Anointed a caster. But also the cool thing is because in its ability it allows it to uh, dispel a spell and unbind an endless spell, I could do that without impacting a spell cast. So I could be casting um, uh, Ignite Weapons on my uh phoenix guard without taking away a spell or an endless spell from my battle mages my hurricanums my other spell casters uh my knight in cantor was another one that i would have um and i was running everblaze comet as well so taking an endless spell from stormcast and doing a whole bunch of um uh, of effect damage to um my opponents um and, that was, and then i would combine that really well with my anointed because then my anointed would unbind it um, and then I'll just recast it and just do a whole bunch of damage um, uh, on, yeah. a, on a frequent basis.
1: I, I think the the I, I completely agree. The the Woodfire Tome is is my number two artifact after the um, the uh, Cloak. And I agree, you give it to that foot hero, the Anointed or the Rune Lord uh, type non magic hero to give them that extra spell. Couple of interesting things to be careful of with it is. It doesn't get the bonuses from arcane channel because it, it doesn't it's not make the wizard. Yeah, well, i had this discussion a with someone the other day.
0: It doesn't give you the wizard keyword. It just allows you to cast a spell.
1: Spell. It also you won't get anything like the arcane bonus if there's some arcane terrain as well around. So just a subtlety there. Another subtlety on the anointed as well as the rune lord, and and I'd actually say this is probably an exploit that. Uh, it's a subtlety that borders on exploit that that needs to be fixed is the anointed and rune lord can unbind an endless spell in your hero phase not at the start of the hero phase yes yeah so you could do a little bit of shenanigans with that uh potentially so firstly it's literally, could... what, I did. It's literally what i was doing i was doing that yeah. with like everybody's comment. You could do it with the Everblaze, and then you could rely. You would effectively have two cracks at unbinding it. Uh, you can unbind it after you've cast it, as well as you could uh, in the start of your next hero phase. You have another crack to unbind it, and then uh, you still get to recast it again as well. So it, you could do it with Life Swarm. It synergizes Aye. well with Life Swarm to bring back. A f- effectively 2d6 um, phoenix I, I didn't do that so I'm, not, I'm not i'm not i'm not the black coach i'm not i'm not <laughs> using rules um, um but you can there, there's an option there and it's it's a it's a useful option um i suspect eventually it'll be factored and, and made uh, to start a phase but it's also not the only uh both the anointed and Rune Lord have the same they've gone through two facts and uh i think archaon and possibly the lord of change can also unbind during the phase rather than at the start yeah. of the phase so they're not unique abilities um so maybe it was intended uh, rather than sloppy but it's it's a useful thing both the anointed uh, at, the anointed and the rune lord add to that magical supremacy as well as as coach mentioned you can get the um an extra unbind uh that's not sucking up one of your spells yeah
0: um, um, I know I, I you've got things like, um, you know, you've got Shadow Warriors. We've got, you know, mm, t- t- well, you've, you've, all of your lists have Shadow Warriors, and I think a lot of people know the benefits of a Shadow Warrior is having to deploy them away um, from the board. They don't have to go on the table. You, you know, you put them in cover. They get plus one to hit plus one to wound. Curious on variant one and understanding why you had two units of Shadow Warriors because some people have asked me in time, um, you know, what their thoughts are on having, you know, more than one unit of Shadow Warriors. Um, Why'd you land on two?
1: Um, I really, pre-CanCon, I was running a Firestorm list with two Deep Strikers, and I very much got used to the idea of two Deep Strikers um, and, and the potential that that brings in. I also... Um, was running pre cancon with three units of screens or backfield of some way or another. So two dark shards, obviously, are the screens, and if they deal some missile damage, so so nice bonus. But basically, they're just bodies um, and board control. And I thought, well, okay, if there's any kind of mission or if I'm in a matchup where I'm going to get alpha struck hard, I need to protect those phoenix guard with the layers of screens. I can always use one of the Shadow Warriors deployed in my key deployment zone, rather than uh, in Deep Strike, as as a as a screen. They're an expensive yeah. screen, but if the matchup dictates you need screen, you've got a screen. Yeah. The other the other thing, and I talked about it a bit with the Sisters of the Thorn, that I use them as a zone control. Two units of Shadow Warriors give you a lot of zone control. You you can put them both on the flanks in in such a way, if with careful deployment, that you can um, zone out a a significant amount of effective board space from your opponent doing anything, teleport or deep strike shenanigan with. Finally, uh, if you want to kill, if you need to kill those uh, support heroes, you've got the the geminids the hurricane um, the the luminarch's laser and if you desperately need to kill something drop two units of shadow warriors in front of it yeah. as well and, and fire into it um if they end up dying the next turns so be it if you've taken out that absolutely critical uh buff piece um they ended up flubbing uh, in in my game six at cancon i um I was facing Zench with a Gaunt Summoner and and I had the first turn. I got five wounds off Mm -hmm. it and the Shadow Warriors drew their bows and flubbed. But um, uh, yeah, that that was exactly what they were there for to, to give me 20 shooters to just extend that threat range and take out those support heroes. Yeah, the really good call. Another
0: endless spell that I want to call that, that I'm, um, I think is a great uh, piece in this army as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Quicksilver Swords as well because you roll fifteen dice because it's from a from from Cities of Sigmar, um, and especially against Chaos, you do five uh, one or five plus you do mortal wounds six plus against other armies that aren't Chaos. Um, you can throw it through an number spell portal yeah. um, and do some good damage because it has an area of effect as opposed to having to touch an opponent with like the, the pendulum or the, em- uh, the, the purple sun.
1: Yep. Um, I, I, if I had my time over, I'd dump the palisades and take uh, the swords for sure. 30 uh, points. It's
0: uh, like, it's a, it's a, a no brainer. Yep. It's so yep. cheap. Um and then I can see, you know, you've got things like the Free Guild handgunners, which are not only a good screen, they do some good damage where there's a, a long range um, hero in there. Well, not a hero, but the unit captain has a 30 inch um, range shot that ignores Lookout Sir. Uh, and they get to shoot if they get charged against. So they're kind of like a nice little counterattack. Um, you've got some yeah, high it's movement. A, it's
1: a very nasty hedgehog putting 10 Free Guild handgunners as a screen in front of 2.5. Uh, 2.9 inches in front of Phoenix Guard. So your opponent charges the free guild, obviously gets takes a few wounds as as a from the free guild standard shoot rule. Um, they then obviously slaughter the handgunners because they're rubbish in melee. That's not their role. But if the Phoenix Guard is standing 2.9 inch behind or 2.1 inch behind the line, the Phoenix yeah. Guard then step forward and and counter punch. And I, I love that counter punch type play. And Phoenix Guard are defensive and powerfully defensive, but there's a lot of high damage stuff out there that you do need that ablative armour a screen in front of them to, for them to remain effective.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not immortal. You can't just uh, put the Phoenix Guard on there and expect in them the to. to end, yeah. They're not going to be there forever. Um, and that's why I would take the Emerald Life Swarm as well, to be able to bring back some bodies and... Um, you know, especially some of the armies that really hit me hard and they, they'll do some damage but for 50 points i could bring back um you know 6 12 18 up to during a game um which just you know extrapolates the value you get from phoenix guard um, yeah,
1: um, yeah and I, got- I definitely pre pre-cancon kind of i trialed a lot of lists with Life Swar. I it was close to, to taking it, but um, yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's it's beneficial with the with the Phoenix Guard. You bring back a lot of points of model, so it can pay for itself um, so- if, if used well.
0: Something though I really want to ask you a burning question, both from the chat and myself, is that uh, unlike the other cities of Sigma, where you only get three spell choices to choose from, um, you know, Hello Heart has six to choose from. Do you pick all six? I mean, you've got things like Reming Wildfire that's going to do some um, some mortal wounds. Um, You've got Searing Wounds, which is a heal spell. You've got Elemental Cyclo, which is probably one of the MVPs that does uh, a mortal wound for every model in the unit on a 4+. You've got Warding Brand that's going to bounce mortal wounds back on a 4+. You've got Crystals, which is going to be ignoring uh, spells and endless spells on a 4+. And then you've got Ignite Weapons, which allows you to add plus one to the wound roll. Um, to a unit, so um, there's a good diverse mixture of of, of buffs and damage. What you think yeah. thinking behind the
1: spells? So, uh, it, in the cancon, the swish hish army knife. I, I was going for very much a toolkit list, as can be seen that um, it's got a combo of kind of a mix and match of everything in there, and I did take at least one of all of them for that list. Um, what I've found over time, Crystal Aegis has a pretty short ra- short cover range for a pretty modest uh, bonus against really not that many uh, armies in the meta. So, yeah, I dropped uh, it. I, Crystal Aegis, I've, I've now dropped. Um, though it did pay off in my uh, Game against Zench. So, I did make a couple of four up ignores. So, that's um, uh, it, it paid off, but. Uh, I drop it nowadays. But,
0: but, the other one... but in, in saying that, you know, when Teclas comes with his Lumineth, you know, if we do have the Lumineth coming on the table, if we do have, you know, Lord Croak smashing and bashing, if we're going to have, you know, more Zench supremacy, this might be worthwhile, but it I'm with you. I, yeah. I'm with you. I didn't find enough value out of the crystals. Uh, but if magical supremacy and we're seeing more Nagashas on the table under Osiak Bone Reapers, I may reconsider having that.
1: I, I also took it at CanCon because we had Realm Spells, so I was expecting a Magic Heavy meta um, to take advantage of them. I, I, I didn't run into a Nagash, but I was expecting a lot of OBR Nagashes, which there were there, but I dodged them. Um, and, yeah, highly effective in, in a Magic Heavy meta. And if if the event or your local game is using the Realm spells, Crystal Aegis is, uh, yeah, definitely take that because there's going to be a lot of Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually you, – you hyped up Elemental Cyclone, and yes, it is good. The problem I've always found with it, though, is getting in effective range to to do a lot of damage. If if your Wizards are up in range to be able to hit that big unit, um, they're, they're in – they've got threats. So um, I, I probably find that as the second spell that I drop. I, I – Seer Wounds you need to heal up after you take your Arcane Channel, so that's a must-take on uh, in the list. Ignite Weapons is incredible on your Gyrocopters or your, your Iron Drakes or your um, Phoenix Guard, uh, or whatever could, you're I, attacking I, I, with.
0: I would, uh, so in my list, I would have some, you know, two units of 20 handgunners, or I'd have like a block of 30 handgunners. Yeah, hand but
1: Ignite Weapons is incredible. Bringing them,
0: bring, hitting them, bringing them down to wounding on twos is just
1: oh it's it's beautiful um and, and we'll talk about what iron drakes could do um in the final moments roaming wildfire is one of the best attack spells in the game it's it's um it can hit multiple units and, and with a little bit of luck on the dice you can bounce it to a fair part of the opponent's army so i do tend to take two lots of roaming wildfire uh, somewhere in the list um Awarding Warding Brand then probably becomes the fourth. So Sear Wounds is essential. Ignite Weapons is the best of the lot. Roaming Wildfire for attack and, and damage output becomes my third pick. A Warding Brand I, I lean to as the fourth pick. And uh, 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 used effectively, either you scare an opponent off attacking or if you're playing a more aggro list, which is invariant two and three, um, you can send a, a large unit forward deal its damage, hold its objective, whatever it does. And even when an opponent hits it, it's going to deal 15 mortal wounds back at at the opponent. And finding any spell that deals 15 mortal wounds by, I don't know, your opponent all-in killing your Iron Drakes or your Eternal Guard, a 15-wound mortal spell is pretty nasty. (laughs) I've used that a lot
0: on my handgunners. So if I have like a block of 20 Mm. handgunners, you know, they get charged, they get to shoot before combat, and then, you know, they're going to die. Kill another 10. Then they're going to throw another, you know, up to 10. So um, it's pretty tasty um, for a spell. Yeah,
1: I I really like Warding Brand as a damage output style spell and a control and a bit of scared. It it gets in people's heads. um, They don't want to go near that. Uh, I, I, will, I will say one thing about Elemental Cyclone. Now, you, w- you probably want to clarify this
0: um, with your tournament organizer. There's a little bit of gray when it comes to this. Um, but most tournament organizers ha- are allowing Elemental Cyclone the line to be drawn from something like the, the Umbral Spell Portal. So if your wizard's next to an umbral spell portal and then you set up another umbral spell portal on the battlefield, you can draw that 12 inches from the umbral spell portal. It is is grey; It's not 100% clear, but it is something you possibly could do. But as always, check with your tournament organizer yeah. you anything that's unclear.
1: Um, I think... I- Elemental Cyclone, you have to take the spell portal or Which add one the them Wind, the Bale Wind to give you that extra range as well. Uh, Bale Wind gives you plus six range. Bale Wind is quite an efficient uh, endless spell to add in here. It doesn't get empowered. There's no buff for that. But one of my tricks that I really like doing is a Battle Mage of Azure with Chain Lightning or the um, a Sorceress with Word of Pain you put them on the front line. Uh, your opponent gives you the first turn. Usually you can tell from deployment is your opponent going to give you a first turn or not. Uh, you cast Bailwind just in front of them and they, and you leap forward sort of the five inch of the Bailwind's base from the deployment of the Bailwind. And then uh, you've got plus six inch on your, uh, your Word of Pain and your Roaming Wildfire become 24 inch spells. You're reaching pretty deep into the opponent's backline to be able to uh, hit their key casters with two lots of d3 mortal wounds which you then follow up with a, a luminarch laser or a geminids or something and you've taken out a, a key support hero plus done a bit of other damage uh up front so again a combo of bailwind punishes an opponent that gives you the first turn it gives you something that could do damage in that first turn if if you're running a high drop list yeah,
0: and you know, I think we've kind of illustrated. You know, this is just three different ways that you've built. I've thrown some other examples. You know, there's definitely some ways that you can tap into more of the dwarf type builds as well. You know, whether you want to go exclusive to humans, you want to go a combo city with it's, which takes the best of both worlds. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that the Rune Lord. Um, I've seen some nice little cheeky combinations where um, there's the the Hallow Heart command trait of famed spell hunter. So you get plus three to the, the role when you try to unbind an endless spell. So using the Knight Encantor's um, Everblaze Comet and then using like a um, uh, an Anointed or a Rune Lord with plus three to then unbind that and then cast it again, unbind, cast, unbind, uh, and just doing absolute havoc with the... Because um, it is 100 points for this, this Everblaze mm. Comet. So you want to make the most of it. So I've seen that worked really well. But then on the flip side, you know, I look at things like Veteran of the Blazing Crusade, which then makes basically your whole army immune to Battleshock wholly within 18. So that's brutal. Um,
1: I, I've got to be honest, those two, uh, you can do it. And, and if you're running the right list that you need that battle shock, it's great. But uh, I default to Warden of the Flame. Uh, that's that's what I almost always take, that extra 3 uh on a 4-up. So you've got the Adjutant or the Lieutenant plus a warden, you're going to probably de- generate an extra CP each turn and that um, uh, allows you to d- use your arcane channel and you've got that spare CP either for Battleshock or for a combat CP or a run and charge or something like that. Run See, charge. because I was taking
0: the battalion, I found that I always had enough. I never felt like I struggled with my, mm-hmm. my command points um, because the battalion gives you plus one to cast and plus one to unbind. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, um getting the extra artifact getting the extra command uh, command point lowering my drops was well worth 140 points for something that i was already taking which is at three to eight wizards um and that was so, that was the way i perceived it but i know none of your lists had the battalion
1: yeah I, I know we're running out of time but i just want to chat about one other list that's powerful in hollow Heart. I'll, I'll try and keep it short but the the final list on the list was an iron drake soul screen bridge list and I think there's various discussion of Soul Scream, Iron Drake um, combos out on the internet that you can read. But it's a powerful, powerful combo because it's a redeploy, not a move. And in Hollow Heart with Ignite Weapons, getting that bonus to Wound. Uh, the thing that wasn't listed on the list is I, I also have Long Beards that I just forgot to add to the, the slide, sorry. Um, and so you've got my thir- the 30 Iron Drakes get to two attacks each. Um, with the Rune Lord giving on plus one rend, they're on, and the Hurricaneum given on plus one to hit, you could teleport this unit forward to basically anywhere they need to go to hit anything they need. End up with 60 attacks, hitting on twos, spend a CP to reroll ones if you've got spare CPs, wounding on twos, rerolling ones for the Longbeard's ability, negative two rend for a ranged attack. That is going to shred anything. Um, their unit captain has a torpedo. Torpedo's got a longer range and against monsters has bonus rend and d6 damage. So you've yeah. got you've got a unit captain with two 20-inch shots, hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, wounding on twos, re-rolling ones, three rend um, rend three dealing d6 damage. That's insane for a unit captain and in what it can do. So Iron Drake's uh, with bridge, the bridge is an expensive spell. So Hollow Heart makes bridge reliable to cast as yeah. well, which is its synergy. Bridge gets empowered for extra range and then ignite weapons as another bonus. And inevitably you've got the Hurricane in for that bonus as well um that is a really nasty hammer to to land on your opponent and people are shit scared of it to be honest
0: i i've seen uh, yeah like i've seen that used really well um i know there's another variant by using crossbows because when a crossbow doesn't mm. move it gets double they shot. Do. so yep. uh, a unit of 30 crossbows are going to do 60 shots um handgunners obviously can teleport around the board again they get uh pluses to hit if they don't move um when they and that synergizes really well with the free guild general on foot, who adds plus one to hit and plus one to wound with a command point. Um, I've also seen Sisters of the Thorn. That's the one on foot that, They no, synergize the, well. that
1: synergize
0: well. Sisters of the Watch. Sisters of the Watch, yeah. Thorn, yeah. Thorn are on the deers, watch yep. is on the foot. Sisters of the Watch. Again, they do having a nice block of 30 and then teleporting them with the umble yeah. spell. Or sorry, uh, the uh, soul screen bridge.
1: Um so, oh- all of those options are awesome, and in Hollow Heart, you get the, the bonus to cast so your bridge is reliable or more reliable, but you also put the Ignite Weapons for that bonus and then Warding Brand on them. If you're going to send your shooting unit into an aggressive forward position, thirty uh, yeah. putting Warding Brand that then blows up on your opponent, so they walk in, they you drop a nuclear bomb on them with your shooters, uh, then your opponent has to deal with them because they don't want to face that again. They send in their attack mob, whatever's left, to take them out, and you blow up another 15 mortal wounds on them. And then you march your, 50, your 30 Phoenix Guard forward and your opponent doesn't have anything left that can handle the 30 Phoenix Guard. Yeah, because you're a really good
0: opportunity to delete um, what needs to be deleted. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, personal preference, whether you want to go dwarves, elves, or human, there's something in there for you, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's a nice little combination for all.
1: What One thing I will say about uh, Iron Drakes, that... That combo and i've I've just talked it up as really exciting.'m I'm, I'm about to drop it out of my core list. A, it will uh, absolutely devastate um, uh, most players who, who can't who don't play well against it, but it can be screened off. Iron yeah. Drakes do only have a 16 inch range, and so an opponent could put a screen line in and leave his important stuff seven inch behind that screen line. Teleport in at 9-inch, you're out of range to actually hit the important stuff, and, and yeah, that that's a downside. The crossbows there. are 24 inches. Uh, that's why t- crossbows could be a more effective, efficient option on that basis, even though they don't get the rend and don't synergize with the Rune Lord. No, but you'd take a Free
0: Guild General on foot. Instead, um, yeah. Whatever that variety is. Um, you know, and some of the other Stormcast units that I really like, So I've mentioned the Lord... Um, uh, the knight in cantor um but you've also got the I, I played with the list before with the the lord Arcanum on foot um which is hard to find but that has a really cool command ability that conversion uh, opportunity magro conversion uh, what, opportunity. no i bought the legit one i actually was able to source one um from someone who built the lord the lord tauron um but anyway the point is is that that command ability allows you to move an endless spell an additional six inches so um hmm. uh, again gemini it's swords, pendulum, um, purple sun. Yeah, purple sun. Um, so if you're going down the endless spell route, you know, again, there's there's so much to choose from in this book, which is really exciting.
1: Yeah. yeah I think the book's going to last a long time uh, given there's just so many tools as the meta evolves, if not hollow heart, uh, one of the other cities uh, will, will evolve with the meta. And there's so many toolkits in the city's book that you can, you can tap into that, it's going to have a lot of legs for a long time. Uh, Maybe not at the absolute top tier, but it's going to take a long time before it uh, dates out as a book. (laughs) Yeah. And and
0: while we're in this world of magical supremacy, I think Hello Heart has its place. Um, It's something that I think you're going to enjoy.
1: um, Yeah. yeah. Probably the one downside to be conscious of with with people is organisation of your spells. If uh, eight spells, you've got a very long hero phase. That's your domination. And, your opponent can start rolling their eyes and, and it can be a bit less fun as it's, a, it's a, a, the hero phase is a non-interactive part of the game versus, say, melee. Um, be conscious of that with your opponent. Um, one thing I, I do, and some, my opponents have seen it, I've got a, I don't know how well it's coming up, but like quite detailed trackers of, okay, what does everyone do? How many spells have they cast? I put dice down on those square boxes to keep track of everything absolutely for hollow heart or for any other hero phase intensive list that you take definitely build a kind of cheat sheet that you can give to your opponent that outlines all the threat ranges summarizes roughly what the spells do and keep track of who has cast what and how many spells um it's pretty essential as well as your own noggin to, to keep yeah. track of it all yourself so a couple of hints that i would
0: share is uh at one aos reminders great website it'll put all your spells and your threat ranges and your casting values on some single pages so check them out Some things that i did as well to speed up my hero phase is i use special dice and i put those special dice next to each of my wizards so they would be basically my cast so as i cast i would take one off and I use the old Winds of Magic dice from Warhammer Fantasy oh, Battles because they're they like they they are like they're very very cool. But they were very different to my wound tokens and the regular dice that I was casting. I made sure that they were special, and I made sure my opponent knew that these two dice next to every wizard meant one of my casts. So every time I pick up a spell, yeah. that would be how I would track. Um, and then AOS uh, AOS Shorts on their website they have a whole bunch of um, spell cards. So they're in the size of Magic the Gathering, kind of just like a, a, a like a little playing card, uh, but it'll have all your spells on different little playing cards. So You can go down to the printer, print it yourself, um, and you could almost have like these little cards. So they sit next to your wizard so you know, you know, what spell you're casting and what yeah. you're not. So, you know, you cast you're not casting, you know, warding brand off one wizard when actually on your army list, it's on a completely different wizard.
1: Yeah, and that's why I, again, use that. And like you said, I've got some special um, uh, arcane-looking, cool, elvish, mystical dice, and and I use those cards as well. Uh, another really cool one I do, you, you do definitely want to have good tokens for your buffs so you can keep track of it and your opponent keeps track. One that I do that is, um I've bought cheaply from Officeworks, those little you know those little uh, table number stands that you see at cafes that have like your yeah. on table one as a little slot in so I've bought a few of those the little clip and you just put the spell card in and you put that next to the unit of Phoenix Guard with all the buffs on it and you end up with a forest of these things because there's so many buffs and you just point that card at your opponent, your opponent's got no excuse for not going oh I forgot that you had that buff on that unit so it's just part of the politeness of the game as well make it easier yeah. not only for yourself but for your opponent to remember what the hell you have done and what all those buffs are going to do to your it, army it does get confusing
0: for this army so go to like pro painted has tokens go get them um, if you didn't buy the war scroll cards that came with tokens from games workshop um, there are some people who make acrylic ones i think long story short have some markets so it's very clear who has what buff because there is going to be a lot of buffs kind of um being dished out Last couple of questions, Michael, we kind of like rapid fire these ones and then, then I want to kind of wrap it up with a nice little sexy one. So we've kind of talked about magic being the dominance in this army and we don't want to over-rely on it, but certainly the strength of being able to apply buffs, and the spells, debuffs, uh, unbinds, all that good stuff. What's the thing that's going to stop you from winning? So um, like what's your biggest concern on the tabletop?
1: So the, the the single army I've struggled against most is a, um, a optimized Big War. Um I've lost twice to optimized Big Bigwar Big War is very dangerous in the meta at the moment. It's super powerful. Um, main reason is your damage output to churn through the sheer number of wounds that it has on its cheap screens is difficult, and um, it's threat ranges with um, brutish cunning, um, iron fist, uh, mighty, free mighty destroyers moves, and um, and their various uh, spells for free movement are problematic because you get longer threat range than than these lists that I've had. So you're on the you have to be on the defensive, and it's yeah. not a good position to be in in Age of Sigma. Generally, defensive is not. Um, it's hard to win from a defensive position. Yeah. Um, so, Big War I've struggled with. The other thing I've recently struggled with is going to be Croak, I think. Um, mm. That's um, bit of a bit of a not to unpick, and I think I'm going to actually adjust my list a little bit to, to take on the Seraphim. Yeah. Um, and you know like like the, you know this
0: show right now is happening before the general's handbook 2020 so we don't know what scenarios are coming yeah. up we don't know if any of our points values are going to increase or decrease um, but certainly the the rise of um, of seraphon uh, we can only imagine the the um Lumineth rune lords are going to be uh, very strong in magic yeah. so how we handle those those uh, those challenges i think is a question mark i think what you've got around the luminarch is a good start but as you've pointed out, it's probably not enough to take down a croak. So how do we yeah. how do we handle the croak? Or is it a limitation we just accept and There's try no, to no dominate the other armies?
1: No such thing as a perfect list. This, this is – Hollow Heart can build a powerful list that, that your opponent walks in and goes, Shh, this is a bad matchup for them. That, um, But there are inevitably bad matchups, rock, paper, scissors to, to everybody. Um, I think – the the other thing to be conscious of here, there is a little bit of a swing factor to this list. You can flub with a one on your arcane channel, followed by a double one cast, and that lost me a game at SA GT. Um, I had Silverneth standing there, and Nick, if you're watching, love your man, love your Silverneth, beautiful models, beautiful player. Um, the Aleriel was standing out the front, just waiting to be teleport bridge struck by my iron drakes, and I, ca- I rolled a one for arcane channel, followed by a uh, double one on my cast, and bang, that's that. It, that it, happened that was- to me. I, I played
0: uh, I played Matt Campbell, um, who is a very proficient masters level one Ken Con in 2019 Blades of Corn. He's just an absolute guru, and I'm playing Matt Campbell round five of a teams tournament um, last year. And, um, you know, he, he was running up his bloodthirsters. He had, you know, the incessant rage. He, uh, uh, yeah, all the bloodthirsters in the world. And I'm like, right, they're about to charge me. I'm going to hammer the crap out of them. And I roll a one of on my arcane channeling. I roll nothing but double one and one and twos. And Matt, Matt, who, uh, you know, I haven't seen this side of Matt before. He's very, very focused. Very, um, he's very, very good at what he does. He looks at me and goes... That's the worst rolling I've ever seen, yeah. um, and and and, that, and and I think that's something you need to accept. Is that yes, there is a good chance that you can get plus six on your cast, but then there's also going to be a plus one, uh, and you're going to take damage as well. And all of those spells you're trying to cast, the ones on a seven, the ones on a six, um, and the spells are quite generous when it comes to the spell casting. What you want to do is you want to cast high enough that your opponent can't unbind. It's yeah. not that you can't get them off. It's that they're five sixes and sevens and your opponent just goes, and
1: yeah, still not bind them. Or it's a complete flub, a, a triple one effectively, and, and it happens. So, uh, look, it's a dice rolling game. You can't you can't eliminate that risk. I think Hollow Heart, can, you can put yourself in a good position to put most dice roll odds in your favour, which if you play the game in a competitive sense, if you've skewed the game in your favour, that's that's the best you can hope for. Um, uh, rather than controlling it completely, um, yeah. and occasionally, key dice roll is just going to kill you, and and that's um, that's, that's that's the game. <laughs> it kind of goes back to our first point, and that is, um, don't put all of your eggs in
0: one basket. Have exactly. three or four different threat pieces and really think about them independent of your wizards. You know, we, and, we've, and we've shown some really good examples of that in the show, but just don't put all of your eggs in the basket as, as tempting as it is in Hollow Heart.
1: I, I think one other one I'll, I'll raise, and I know we've now dragged on over time here. It's all but, good, man. Well, Um Hollow Heart, the bridge reliability and the bonus to cast as well as empowered to give 24-inch range. One thing to be conscious of is how deep into the late game you can be and still be a threat to steal the victory the a lot of games are decided in in turn 2 and 3 and and effectively wrapped up but any game that goes to turn 4 and 5 where it's still a game the bridge is so critical because it gives you that teleport to to move whatever you need to do to move to seize an objective um, and in that turn four, turn five, sometimes it's a gamble because maybe you've run out of the ability to, to cast arcane channel, and you need to kill off a unbind on the bridge wherever it is first, and then uh, recast it to be able to reposition around. But if you're in those desperate last moments, dying moments of the game, a bridge is can win you the game by by teleporting some unit over to some unprotected objective and and getting those extra objective points and yeah. Um, it, that's optional for, I suppose, any army with the bridge. Um, but Hollow Heart, it works well because you've got those bonuses to cast and 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 a lot of casts and likely have, you are still likely to have a wizard alive in the end game. Um, wizards often don't survive past two in the meta, Um um, and, and, yeah, this is also where, where Shadow Warriors become
0: really valuable. They, they do the same thing without the, the casting cost, but they've got to be down by turn four.
1: Yeah, um, canaries uh, canaries really pay off in, in that as well. You know, yeah,
0: good 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 call out as well. Final question to bring us home, and then we can kind of do any shout-outs. I know the Geelong boys are waiting for one final shout-out, but based on all of your experience uh, from playing this book, what have you learned that might not be as, um, I guess, obvious, to the person who's reading it for the first time. So we've kind of talked already about the swings of the book. We've talked about the over-reliance. Is there anything else that you've kind of learnt that it took you a couple of games to realise?
1: Uh, oh, that's a tough question. I'd, I'd probably say if you're picking up cities for the first time, if you're picking up mixed order for the first time, don't start with Hollow Heart. There's too much to keep in your head, too too many synergies, too many interactions and combinations. I evolved into Hollow Heart from, as we discussed at the start of the show, from Firestorm, playing effectively mixed order with basically no faction abilities at all, plus one to unbind. Or big whoopsie. Um it was actually made I believe it made me a better player because I was not playing with all the complex synergies and interactions. I was keeping the game basic and I've evolved my play now to be able to handle the more complex interactions such as hollow Heart. hollow heart is definitely up there as one of the more complex factions you can play. it's I think awesome. I, I, I would probably argue
0: it's the most complicated of the cities of sigma
1: yeah. And that puts it with all the combos, all the options. It, it, I think it puts it in the sort of maybe the top three, if not outright, as uh, the most. Complex it's not. It's not. It's not as complicated as GITS.
0: Uh, as it gets player, I'll say the GITS, Gits are, is probably. Right.
1: Gloomspike gets wizards. Like the
0: GITS part is super complicated, but I think you've made yep. your point. Your point is like yeah. it is. Complicated. It's a complex
1: list. If you're if you're relatively newcomer to. To the game hollow hearts maybe not the first thing to jump into maybe maybe go a hammer haul or something uh which is still a lot of fun a tempest eye a lot of fun um uh, and quite good uh, maybe build up your your skill and understanding of threat ranges and overlapping and keeping your heroes within range of their buffs and spells being effective uh, that, that's a bit of the art to the game that uh, you absolutely need to do for hollow heart um to to be effective with it and yeah build build yourself up to to play hollow heart
0: love it um someone in the chats called out a, a really
1: good question
0: that I, I i got really excited about early i thought <laughs> yes this is the this is the, i actually come up with this idea and i'm like this is the greatest idea in the world and then i realized it wasn't actually how it works and they're asking about um evocators on drapolines so i'm like yes they cast spells Yes, I'm going to... Oh, wait. It doesn't They're work stuck. nearly as well. They can only because cast their own spell. <laughs> unlike the Sisters of the Thorn, they can only cast their own spell, which, yeah. which I'm like, yes, because I, I, I really wanted something that was fast and I could hit hard. And I'm like, yes, kitty cats, yes.
1: No. No. Nah, um, I, I played uh, and, yeah, I I completely mangled it and it was a practice game or whatever, but I... Uh, coming into CanCon, I, I saw Hello Heart. I saw that. I, I misplayed it. I dropped down 10 Evocators into the list, gave them an extra spell. Yeah. A new Mirror Pool was in um, in in CanCon. I was going to teleport them forward with uh, plus three to charge from – or plus two to charge from the Battle Mage of Gur, cast two spells on themselves. And, yeah, you can't actually do that. Um, no, nah, So, no. Nah. So, nah. The Stormcast – unit wizards don't work the sisters are really really good because they are a unit wizard that gets that bonus so yeah, yeah the stormcast yeah they're not restricted really. like the
0: evocators and that would probably be my closing comments before michael you wrap us wrap the show up and that is um is that look at this look at the stormcast eternals book because it's the only book for hallow heart that we can bring in non-ally so look at where the synergies come in and you can apply the hallow heart keyword so for me, the big discovery early on was using the Lord Arcana. The Lord Arcana on foot, no one has run, uh, mostly because it's a very hard model to find. Everyone runs the Encantor. No one runs the um, Lord Arcana. I got to play with some really cool stuff. I got to take the, um, the, the Diaz, the little uh, endless Spell little circlet, and that gave my wizard um, a 12-inch fly move so I could run them around the board, and it was, um, it was you know, I could do Elemental Cyclo. I could do some cool stuff. Um but there's a lot prime, of cool prime, stuff.
1: Prime Electrides as well. You're doing up to D6 damage, likely doing D6 damage with the bonus to cast. That's a, that's pretty nasty. Um, yeah, it's huge. So, so like, like
0: you know, do look at not only the city's book, but look at Stormcast and look where within their wizards um, they might synergize really well because um, I picked, picked a couple and I'm sure there's lots more out there. Yeah.
1: Um, other allies we touched on canaries, um, they're they're good. Um, those shadow warriors tend to be better. It's if you've got one hundred ten points, take shadow warriors. If you're if you're down to only having ninety points, definitely have a think about canaries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably that's about it for for uh, allies um, into hollow heart. You, you've got all you need in the book, other than and I probably would say. 100.
0: Don't, let's not take go um, Gotrek. Gotrek's probably a little no. bit too
1: expensive. Too expensive. You've you've got six, seven hundred, eight hundred points in Magic. Another five, what five twenty in Gotrek. Yeah. Uh, what you've got six models on the table by that point, and you've sucked up twelve, thirteen hundred points. Um, yeah, you're going to struggle to have enough models.
0: <laughs> um, is there any anyone you want to shout out? Anyone you want to close us off with? If people want to find you, where can they find you, Michael?
1: Um, I'm mostly on Facebook, uh, bouncing around all the all the Australian Age of Sigma pages. Um, so, so have a look there. Michael Clark is quite difficult to find on the internet. Oh, there's only about. A Are you in the Cities of Sigma sorry. page? I, I'm in the Cities of Sigma page. i mean most of the Cinderfall, uh, fa- Cinderfall gaming faction pages. Collaborate, worldwide, take over yeah. every Facebook page <laughs> in the history take of the over. world. I'll amalgamate one day. i mean, most of the regional pages: AOS Sydney, AOS Geelong, etc. I'm most active in the local Geelong page, but yeah, you'll find me through Facebook. I'm not on Twitter um yeah just find me on facebook and everyone out there i I love talking cities i i love providing help to people on the chats um on ideas love bouncing ideas around so just feel free to bounce out and and if anyone wants my uh cool um uh template for hero phase tracking all your stuff happy to share it as well reach out and I'll, i'll flick it through
0: Or make sure to go on to the the Facebook group for the Seeds of Sigma. There's one that's like very, very large. Um, Go join it. You'll find Michael. I'll be posting this video up there later. Uh, If you enjoyed this video, as always, smash that like button, leave me a comment. I'd love to know how you guys are building your Hello Heart lists. Michael, uh, thank you very much for your time. This was super insightful. It was great to talk Hello Heart with you again. I know you and I talked a long time exploring the book. Um, I have put it down while I've explored Tempest Eye, and I've been building like a flying Go Trek list in Hammerhall. Hall. So um, I haven't talked Halahar for a while, but it was super awesome to talk with you and just um, hear how your list of, is evolving. You know, we've had Wrath of the Everchosen, we've had Seraphon, we've had the supples of Zench. There's only stuff coming. So um, uh. your list will evolve.
1: Uh, Yeah, and like I said, uh, early Cities has a lot of depth in it. It will be around for a long time. And and despite having other armies, I I keep coming back to it as as my first love. So, well, mixed order and Cities is effectively the evolution of mixed order. Um, Coach, thank you for having me on. Final comments would be a shout out to the Geelong crew. You guys are awesome if anyone is ever down in geelong coming through there's also cheap flights from sydney into avalon or gold coast into avalon so feel free to do that we run uh two to- two large scale kind of 50 man tournaments a year down here two-day events uh which we get good representation at um particularly from the bendigo crew the measured guys shout out to them it's kind of our sister regional city in victoria um, we game every Tuesday night. Very open to newcomers in the Geelong or Melbourne region. Come down every Tuesday at the Guff Store, uh, or at least once COVID stops. Um, and I personally host at my place in my uh, garage gaming shed, set up uh, probably once every two or three weeks on a on a Saturday night uh, for a few drinks and and um, and laughs, and sometimes a barbecue in there. So. Open invite to to any friend of coach who's who's oh, a to you, of the show. It's a friend of mine. So. My audience
0: is American and, like, another 30% coming from England. So I'm sure they're looking forward to your barbecue during summer. <laughs> uh, just hit up, Michael. Awesome. But it was an absolute pleasure. We're, we're, Thank
1: you. Ge- for, for those international, Geelong is near Torquay. So if you are having an international holiday, it's a great place to come down once COVID finishes. So, again, coach. Thank you. I'll, I'll leave the plug there. Thanks for inviting. Uh, a pleasure.
0: Thanks very much. And guys, don't forget to use your triumphs when you get them. um See you <laughs> folks, and until next time,
1: uh yeah, don't forget the triumph.